and welcome to FGC Philosophy. My name is Taven the Philosopher Napier and this is where we try to level up inside and outside the arena. Uh, we do that because I think it's important for us to improve as individuals, as a community, and uh, hopefully at the craft that we're working on. Today's topic, today's episode, I have a guest that uh, I'm excited to talk about. Hopefully I can have him on the show again in the future, but his name is Zaffarino. He is a content creator and a Street Fighter player, very good Street Fighter player, one of the best of gods in America, hands down. And his approach to teaching the game has been unique, I will say, in, in a way that I, I like, in a way that I, I want to see more of, personally. It's very productive, it's more philosophical, but it's also very practical. It's the best of both worlds, in my opinion, and he's doing well at it from what I can tell. Uh, I tend to learn when he's talking about stuff. He also has someone that taught him how to play Street Fighter that I came across that helped to expand my thought process around the game of Street Fighter as well. Uh, that being Kaizen Master, so we briefly mention him as well. Uh, but yeah, this episode is, is something I'm excited about. Hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation. I'll get to that in just a little bit, but of course I'm gonna do my introduction stuff uh, and then we'll get right into this episode. But if you wanna get right to the conversation and you don't feel like hearing all the chitter chatter, there will be timestamps so you can go straight to the conversation uh, and a couple of topics in there as well. So you can feel free to do that. Or you can hang out with me as I talk about a couple of things. The main thing that I want to talk about is uh, the books that I'm reading, right? I talk about what books I'm reading and or listening to. Uh, I am reading one book, but I'm not going to talk about it just yet until I get further in the book and I'm actually committed to reading it consistently. But in terms of audiobooks, last time I talked about this, I was listening to the Viridian Gate Online series, and I was listening to the first book of Firebrand, which is a spinoff of one of the characters. Short book. I liked it. If you like the Viridian Gate Online series, it's I believe this one is actually free as well on Audible. If you have a subscription, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I feel like the voice actor left me kind of desiring a little bit more. I don't think it's because it was just a female voice actress, but it, there was a lot of male voices this, act, this voice actress had to do. But when she was in the role of a female character or her own character, I felt like it was really good and I was into it. But whenever there was a male character that, you know, she put on an accent for it, I'm so used to the other guy, Armin Taylor, I think his name is. Uh, it, it's hard to compare the two, but that's critiquing the actual voice actress more than the content of the story but i liked it i liked learning a little bit more about the backstory of this character who helped kick off a lot of the events that happened in this series uh, so it was pretty cool there's more books i'm not going to get into those just yet i probably will circle back to them later on uh, right now in game for the reading get online series is actually out now so i'm listening to that one i'm catching up i'm talking to my friend about it as well because he's pretty excited about it uh but yeah if you don't know if this is your first time listening to it uh i or listening to this podcast i should say if this is your first time listening to this podcast i tend to talk about these things about books that i'm listening to uh, but those those are the main ones uh, i will check in on you with the new viridian get online the end game is it end game cataclysm something along those lines i gotta double check it empirical end game that's what it's called uh, so yeah, check out that series. The other book that I'm listening to right now, I have the audiobook of the Bible. I've talked about this a couple times. I don't want to get too deep into this. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do <laughs> about this. Uh, I might make some YouTube videos because I just don't feel like I want to talk about it on my podcast at length. Uh, but just so you know, for background, I'm what's considered an atheist agnostic. I don't believe in any sort of deity or anything along those lines. I don't believe in you know Christian Jesus or anything like that. I don't think it was real. Uh, and as such, you know, I grew up Christian, so I grew up with those philosophies and reading the Bible and listening to passages and, you know, having kids versions that I grew up reading. Uh, listening to this book from beginning to end, I'm still on Genesis, I think. I'm still in the Old Testament, if you know anything about the Bible, and it is crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I, I, it, I don't know how to talk about this properly and respectfully, right? Because Christianity is a very big thing, and a lot of people are Christians, and I'm not trying to bash Christianity uh, right now at least, And um, but listening to this book, objectively speaking, man, there's some crazy stuff going on, like people marrying their cousins, and then their their cousin, aka their wife, is also can't have babies, so having the maid have the babies, uh, it, it's it's weird, it's weird, it gets, it gets pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> man, I don't remember those tales, that's for sure, they didn't talk about that in church, 
but nonetheless it's just it's very fascinating I, i'm hoping to get more into some of the the, the fables and such but i want to go from beginning to end i want to see the whole entire thing uh, i also have some in-laws and, and other people that i know that are fairly religious and so when i have these conversations with people who just can't comprehend me being atheist uh, if they want to get to the point to where they're trying to be logical about Christianity uh, and as to why I'm not one, I can properly bring up arguments and things that I consider contradictions for those type of people. I don't want to just throw it in people's faces and be like, I'm an atheist, blah, 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 blah. Like, you shouldn't believe. I don't care to do that. I hate people that do that kind of stuff. Uh, but when people come to me and question, you know, my lack there of faith within the, the Christian God, uh, it's nice to have many weapons in your arsenal or tools in your shed to be able to articulate your points and point out reasons that are pretty logical despite the fact that religion tends to be more of an emotional thing but nonetheless that's what i'm listening to it's very fascinating uh, i think it's free on audible as well i don't think i paid for that book so yeah uh, but there's also apps for it too if you don't I, I don't recommend buying the bible there's so many different free resources to get it uh I, I think it's just it's such a big piece of world culture at this point that I wanted to know as an adult and as someone who doesn't believe in that faith anymore, like what all the hubbub is about and like what is it about that book that pulls people in and I'm still not seeing it. I'm still not seeing it, but maybe when I get to the New Testament, it'll make a little bit more sense as to why it's so powerful. But nonetheless, that's, that is what I am listening to. If you are interested in audiobooks, if you're like me, you travel a lot or you do things that are easy to listen to podcasts and things of that nature, I do recommend listening to some audiobooks. I listen to a lot of personal development books like The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin, um, Moonwalking with Einstein by I think Joshua Four. There's a lot of Josh. I have Josh Kaufman, 20, your first 20 hours learning. It's about learning. A lot of these are all about learning, interestingly enough, and they're all named Joshua. <laughs> but I also have, you know, Think and Grow Rich by, by Robert uh, by Napoleon Hill, Mastery by Robert Greene, one of my favorite books of all time. So there's a lot of personal development books that I, I got for this originally, but now I'm just sort of branching off a little bit and kind of entertaining myself and I'm doing mindless things that'll help me stay focused rather than just being distracted and being on my phone and just mindlessly scrolling through nonsense. I want to make sure I'm being productive. But if you want to get Audible, tangent aside you can go to tavynapier.com audible you'll get your first month free and you should also get a free token uh, depending on which version you buy i think it's 7.95 and 14.95 for the upgraded version uh, the, the upgraded version you get a free book token every month so it doesn't matter what the price is you get a free book every month it doesn't matter as long as it's not on the catalog because those are already provided for you uh, if you get the 7.95 one that just gets you access to the catalog and those are really good too i don't make money off of it unless you actually keep it so it's risk-free for you and there's no harm you know I, I i win either way you get to check out something and see if you like it and if you do keep it then i benefit from it and i greatly appreciate that and if not then you tried something and it didn't work for you and we can both move on to other things make sure you check that out if you want to support this podcast and what i do i would greatly appreciate it on to the next topic So this week has been incredibly slow when it comes to tournaments and things at both my colleges that I work at or university and college. Uh, you know, it's the end of the semester almost and things are dying down. So I'm trying to plan for the summer and that's, there's some stress because I feel like there's so many things I could do and I don't know exactly what I should be working on that I'm, I'm just doing a little bit of everything. One of the less conventional things I've done recently is uh, we took some pictures of all our varsity players in front of a green screen you had a photographer come in and use her camera and take those pictures uh, but we don't have an editor right now uh, so I'm using my old Photoshop skills to uh, remove the green screen and touch up the photos and that is a fascinating process uh, I've never done specifically green screening for this specific reason but I've used Photoshop for so long that this program comes second nature to me so even if I don't know how to do something it's pretty easy to look up a tutorial and be like oh, okay uh, as long as I know what it's supposed to look like, I can make it look like that. Uh, so taking out the green, for some reason, uh, the room reflected a lot of green onto our players in the picture. So green on their face, green on their hair, green on their white shirts, on their pants. Uh, and it's been kind of fun learning how to remove that green, but maintain the integrity of the picture and like the color and the saturation, uh, restoring that. And there's so many cool new tools in Photoshop that I didn't use when I was in college or when I was working on other different projects. Uh, it's really nice to utilize those tools and just uh, go through like 30 photos and, and turn those into uh, just a PNG 
of the player and you can put them on any backdrop that you want you know inserting the new uh western logo on there because western has a new logo and there's a whole thing with that right now uh, that's a whole other conversation i don't have enough information on that one just yet but it's a thing but also just just learning how to improve at rocket league one of the things that I personally want to do is improve my mechanics in Rocket League. I do enjoy teaching that game and I think that you don't have to be the best at something in order to coach it, but with my specific style, I do like knowing how to do the things that I'm trying to get people to do because it makes it easier for me to articulate, explain, and correct when they're doing it. Uh, I can watch it, I can see other people and know what it's supposed to look like, but when I have the controller in my hand and I'm actually controlling the character or the, the car, uh, it's, it's a different skill set to be able to perform it and then explain it versus seeing it and explain it and I, I like to do both of those things honestly i think the best of both worlds is really good uh, it allows me to have more information on how to help people correct because one person might have an issue with the same exact skill set or mechanic as another player but the reason they're both failing could be completely different so it's it's good to expand my horizons you know i'm trying to make sure i'm not just playing games just to play games but it's it helps me make more money right job security so i get to play games to some extent i respect you know in a reasonable amount of time to improve and help my ability to coach and help my players get better so i'm not naturally someone who would just pick up rocket league just to play it on my own uh, so i've been looking for new players to reach out to and talk to so that i can you know talk strategy and have a team to play with rather than picking up three random people and just playing the game uh it's that is not fun just playing with random people i can't communicate with one of the funnest parts and best parts of our Rocket League is the communication aspect and the teamwork and the different team play that you can do with a coherent team, with people who are willing to communicate and not get super salty or distracted. It's really nice. Uh, so if you are playing Rocket League and you're around the, uh, I think I'm platinum in, I'm platinum in threes, I'm unranked in duels right now, and uh, I might be unranked in duels. I think I'm either like plat. But uh, the highest I've gotten is Diamond. I just don't play enough ranked to really get higher or climb the ranks. But if people want to play with me, you play Rocket League, I'm down. I play on PC. I'm on Steam. I'm an OG. <laughs> I've had my game for a while. But yeah, reach out to me on social media, Twitter down below, uh, if you want to play some Rocket League. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Duos, trees, we can win some ones. doesn't really matter. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Or if you're part of a college, you have a college team. My schools are always looking for scrims. So uh, scrimmages for the uninitiated. Uh, so if you are part of a school or a team and you want to get some scrimmages against another college team to see where you are or just to get some experience in a longer set, like a best of five, best of seven sort of situation, hit me up. I would love that. All right, but nonetheless, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I'm really excited to get you guys into this conversation. I will say I had to cut part of it because there was some audio issues. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know what the what it was, if my hard drive was full because he sounded fine on my side and then the rest of the recording was fine. The only thing I can think of is that my hard drive got close to being full and the back end of it kind of got corrupted or something. I'm not sure. I'm just glad the whole entire thing didn't get lost because I couldn't find the file originally. Uh, I guess I had put it somewhere accidentally and I named it something that wasn't easy to find for some dumb reason. And so that was, I was really, really mad because I had a great conversation here. Uh, I'm really excited to share this with you guys. So let's just get right into it. So I, I was introduced to you by a person that you actually referenced in one of your videos, Kaizen Master. Like he mm -hmm. ran into me, I guess he saw some of my content and like he, he was, you know, talking about you a lot. And so ever since then, uh, I've been following a lot of your content, uh, trying to catch your, your live streams, kind of lurking here and there. And uh, a lot of what you say clicks with me. A lot of what you say makes sense. But I, I wanted to get your perspective. So I'm glad I have you on here. Thank you for joining me. Uh, of so course. First question. I want to kind of dig into it's, it's uh, something that's on your, your bio for your Metafly, Metafy, uh, which is where you do your coaching. <clears throat> so I'll read this real quick and then you can kind of elaborate on this and we can kind of go back and forth. Uh, but you talked about the fact that you were born to Cape Viridian parents uh, that only yep. know hard work. Uh, with that work ethic running through my genetics, I've been on a nonstop mission to be the greatest fighting game player on earth while elevating the people and players around me. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, the, the parents and the work ethic. So for those who don't know, this is like an island off of Africa. I, I had to look this up. I did not know what it was beforehand. Um, but so would that, would that be the case that you're first generation? Yeah, I'm first gen. Yep. 
Okay. So talk a little bit about that, that work ethic that you saw from your parents and, and how that affected you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my parents uh, were born in Cape Verde, right? Uh, so I'm first generation. So I'm the youngest of three on my mom's side. Um, and in Cape Verde, especially when they were you know, raised, it's a very poor country. I'm talking like my mom would walk four and a half miles to go get water type you know that's like that type of living that they they were on right mm-hmm. so um all i know is hard work so of course you know everybody has the american dream and um so her whole mission was to come here give her children opportunity right that she didn't have um so she didn't want us to work like physically demanding jobs like you know she did or whatnot right Mm-hmm. Um, my dad the same way, you know. Uh, so they their like intensity towards work is that's their identity because that's all they had was like mm-hmm. you know this wasn't it was no Facebook there was no you know uh, IG and you know Snapchat filters it was just raw real you know and everything was about survival you know and so like being raised in that household uh, you know it has its pros and cons. The, the pros is that you know you, you're very diligent about things and and you can you can persist because that's what they know. But the cons are, depending on how mistakes are measured or co- conveyed, you might uh, you might absorb a certain pattern of conditioning that's not conducive in an environment like we're living in now, right? Because our sense of stress and threats are different from being in a third world country, right? Like, our stress is weird shit. Damn, I ain't getting enough likes on my post today, right? <laughs> or, uh, man, I'm missing my combos, or, man, like, uh, my, my car tires flat, right? But theirs was like, oh, um, imagine something super simple, like getting a, a cut, like, on their toe. If they don't get to the nearest hospital, which is miles away, they could literally have to amputate you know, over something that we would literally slap a Band-Aid on, right? Like, that's, like, the type of, I guess, perfectionism they had to live with, like, that type of pressure, you know, uh, and making the most out of their days and just working and persisting and stuff like that. So that's why I said what I said, because it's literally, like, one of the biggest puzzles that I had to overcome was, like, that perfectionism, man. It was what drove me, but it was what held me back at the same time, which is weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, I that resonates with me. So I'm first generation on my dad's side. He's from Jamaica, and mm. uh, it didn't click with me for a long time. Uh, I'll circle back to this in a second, but um, he was a hard worker. Like he 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 sent money back to his parents uh, or to his mom, I should say. His dad passed away mm. when I was like three or something like that. Uh, you know, he he always was working. You know, he, if he got laid off from one job, he was working another job. Like he did whatever he had to do. And uh, for the longest time, I didn't quite understand that because I kind of lived a fairly privileged life compared to them right i was always around homelessness i was always around like poverty but for the most part my parents did a good job of working hard uh Mm. and over time i kind of adopted that that expectation of perfectionism and uh, i I created this term for it because i don't know what else to call it but i called the lazy perfectionist where i don't even apply the the effort in the past like i wouldn't even try something because my expectations were so high that i wouldn't even bother to make that effort does that make sense Perfect sense, because uh, I'll give you an analogy that relates so much to that. So let's say, let's say something as simple as going to the gym, right? If I don't go to the gym at a certain time, then I feel as though it interrupts the rest of the flow of my day. So to maintain the perfectionism of the other crafts in my mind, right? Like the the ideal way of streaming for the day, the ideal way of training in Street Fighter, of writing out content. If anything interferes with those things, I just sever the weakest link which would be going to the gym, but I can still go to the gym, right? But that's the perfectionism challenge that I have, and I have to be super mindful of that. Otherwise, I end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and I'm like, man, I can't go to the gym today, but I can go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, On that note, when it comes to, you know, coaching, like what, what motivates you to want to help other people, right? Because, you know, the selfish part of it, you want to get better. But why, 
why bother helping other people try to get better as well? Like, what's your motivation? Um. Well, I think it's it's mainly um from the pain point of disappointment from my upbringings and uh, a fear of the fear of abandonment that I've had when I from when I was younger. Um, after like my dad left, you know, it's typical fucking, you know, story, I guess you hear a lot, uh, nowadays, but you know, he left and that was like my strongest relationship. And it's never been the same since I was like nine years old when he, when he left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like th- that disappointment was like, it was such a traumatic experience. And when I say traumatic, I don't mean like. Uh, you know, people will hear that, and on the surface, they immediately think of like some extreme thing. But trauma is just literally like a like a shaking of your sense of reality, right? So it can be subtle or it can be extreme. It, there's always an it, there's so many ways to measure it. So for me, it wasn't crazy like anybody died or anything like that. But it was just a a, a violent shakeup of my reality because was somebody I, I'd spend every single day with, you know, and all of a sudden he just wasn't there, and I was like, what? So. When that happened, that fear of abandonment kind of permeated into a lot of things that I did. So even so much as recently as like a year ago, when I would play or compete, it's still remnants of it there. But like, you know, I would want to play perfect so I don't disappoint the people I care about, my supporters, my family, my friends. Because then behind that was the fear of like not being enough. Because that's what I thought. I thought I wasn't enough for my dad. You know what I'm saying? So, so the, the, a large part of it was that the, the the reasoning has changed over the years through mindfulness and meditation and getting to the source of the pain and realizing and uprooting and saying, oh, oh, shit, this is my real reasoning for this was the fear of abandonment in trying to be perfect enough for people to love me. Because that's what I thought. It's just I wasn't lovable. It's kind of it's crazy. Right. But like, this is what I've learned through fighting games. Um, But my thing originally was, yo, I want to help people so that they don't go through the pain I went through. I want them to be the best versions of themselves so that way they don't have to go through what I went through, which is not going to stop anything. People are going to go through what they go through. You know, it doesn't really matter how how strong or how optimal they are. You know, like life is going to give you the situations you need regardless. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. But now my, my reasoning has changed from that to more so um, I just want people to not so much selfishly because of, it is selfish if you think about it because I'm projecting, right? Not so that you avoid something that I went through, but I want you to go with, through what you need to with the best um, tools possible so you can live the best quality life possible. That's how I try to frame my fighting game uh, community, right? It's like, yeah, play the game, enjoy the game, but also use it to help you better be better outside of the game. You know? mm-hmm. so that's why I'm like so motivated to just help people. To bounce off of that, you know, I, I talked about this fairly common. Uh, for me, Marvel vs. Capcom, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 uh, mm-hmm. was a very big turning point for me. Because up until that point, I never knew how to uh, learn. Like, I never knew how to practice, right? I had just graduated high school and college, and I was just done with learning for the most part. I remember actively thinking about that. Um, and then I, I had a friend that I got to buy Marvel vs. Capcom and play it with me. And I'm, I'm so glad that this game had this setting because uh, I could look at how much hours he had logged into the game in terms of uh, matches and then also how much time he has in the practice mode. On the 360, they had this feature. Uh, and the, the thing that got my attention was I taught him how to play the game and then he started beating me consistently. And mm-hmm. it just did not click with me. I was like, I'm, I've been playing this game more than him. I have been playing fighting games my whole life. Why can't I beat this guy? Mm-hmm. And um, seeing how much time he put into it into the practice mode like he had twice as many matches as me but he also had like 10 literally 10 times as much time as me in the training room and that was a big turning point for me because i realized that you know practice on the surface level putting time into something is incredibly important uh during this time i had made a decision to start getting healthy so all i did was work at gamestop play video games and go to the gym that was my whole life (laughs) so uh during that time i also applied that same mindset to going to the gym i was like okay 
I'm not going to work. I'm not going to look at my weight. I'm not going to look at how I look. I'm just going to try to just keep bettering my best, right? Getting more weight, doing more reps, whatever it may be, uh, and just doing that. And then Mm. doing the same thing, like doing Marvel and working out, like something clicked in my head to where I realized that if I just focus on, you know, a small amount of things and make sure I'm doing it better and make sure that I'm not distracted. Like when I went to the gym, I was very self-conscious, so I made an active decision. Don't look at other people. Don't think about anything. Mm-hmm. Don't think about what they're thinking about you. Uh, because when you're thinking about people, you create a whole scenario in your head about what people might be thinking. And then you have an emotional reaction to what they might right. be thinking. You make the story in your mm-hmm. head. So I had to learn how to focus. I had to learn how to, you know, not, you know, basically stream jitters. Like, that's why when I compete, I'm never really nervous because uh, I've just been practicing that for so long, not worrying about anything irrelevant. And mm. um, so for me, like that, that resonates because I, I've applied that to myself and I, I try to do that same thing with just this podcast, with uh, teaching people how to play fighting games, uh, whatever it may be. I think there's a lot to learn from learning how to play a fighting game, especially when you start talking about the mental, psychological aspect of things. Right. Yeah. I um, what What's dope about fighting games? See, the way I, I've learned, right? Mm. A friend asked me this super dope question. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to interview you right now. So if you could, you have to immediately say the first thing that comes to your head, though, for this to work. Okay. So it's, it's, it's so crazy. So a friend asked me, and, I'd ask, and I'm asking you now, mm-hmm. if you could illustrate the way you learn, what would it look like? Hey, guys, editor philosopher here. And I wanted to add more to this, this topic, this question that Zephyrina was asking. I realize now while I'm editing it that he's saying illustrate, like draw a picture of what you learn like how you learn right and i give a very literal answer which i'm going to leave in here uh, for you guys to listen to because i still like the answer but i want to make sure that i'm actually answering the, an, uh, answering the question that he was asking uh, so i wound up sending him a dm as well with this I, I sat down and thought about it i heard his answer and i sat down and i thought about like what would i picture and the first thing that came to mind which i didn't have any logical answer for it was waves from the ocean like the ocean and waves crashing into the wall and then i thought about it a little bit more i'm like okay well i accept this as just whatever it is but what's the logic behind it uh because i'm me and i want to know the logic behind it and the way that i can articulate it is that the ocean represents knowledge and experience right it's just infinite knowledge and experience my own other people's people from the past people uh that i know now maybe people in the future i can't really skip time but it's there potentially right or or knowledge that i might have potential knowledge that i might have in the future experiences right it's not there yet but it's potential like energy potential has energy uh i'm not wording this right there's a scientific explanation for that i can't do but nonetheless the waves represent effort and and skill the things that you're trying to craft and the wall represents the challenge the thing that you're trying to get over or get through uh, and the waves slowly erode that wall over time and the more you pull from the ocean the more potential energy and strength that that wave will have and thus you'll be able to erode that wall uh, faster and with more efficiency and so that's that's the answer that i give now i was sitting here editing it and i I really just sat down and thought about it because I was frustrated that I didn't answer the question. I felt kind of stupid. Uh, and he was probably too nice to, to say or just thought that was my answer. But nonetheless, that's my answer. And uh, I, I thought it was a good question. I thought it was a good thought experiment. I recommend you guys try it as well. Anyways, back to the show. Probably pretty eclectic, I feel like. So I, I'm i pretty meticulous with my learning. I'll, I'll sit mm. there and I'll research things and I'll start to document it. And I'll try things out. And then once I know that this works... You know, in terms of fighting games and probably anything else, I'll just do it over and over again to make it muscle memory. Mm. Uh, I try to make it, at this point in my life, I try to make it as simple as possible um, and only master a small amount of things before moving on to something else. Um, and then trying to document mentally or, or actually like typing it down um, mm. so that I can you know, save that for later on in case I forget it or something like that. Or just, that's just mm. the act of writing it down helps me remember it. So uh, I would say to recap, learning, how, like learning what works doing it over and over and over again until his muscle memory, um, keeping it simple, and then building on that foundation, like making a really strong foundation and then building on top of that. So listen to this. Listen to how, how much drugs my brain are, are on, right? So okay. <laughs> when he said this to me, right, immediately I saw a lightning bolt. And this shit is so crazy. I saw a lightning bolt, and then the lightning bolt was like, a bunch of colors it was not just one color it was like a like a strand of colors right coming from a from a cloud mm-hmm. so yeah like blue orange purple green whatever right but they would twist and then 
they would twist, and then at the point, it became singular, and then it would hit the ground and explode. When I said that to him, he was like, bro, that makes so much sense. And I was like, wait, what? I, I feel like I'm on drugs. He's like, no. Like He's like, think about it. The way you learn is you take information from unrelated things, and then you combine them into your eureka mm-hmm. moment, which is the lightning bolt strike. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. So that's how I learn. You know, so it's like, for example... I picked up chess to help me with strategy, right? Because I didn't understand how to create strategy. This is like 2016, 2017. I was like talking to Kaiser and I was like, yeah, I have no idea how to formulate strategies. And he's like, all right, well, study chess. I was like, all right. So I just studied chess. And then like, that's what I've been using, like at least intuitively um, over the years to come up with like unique strategies and stuff like that. Because, you know, I'm playing Sagat, so... Up until this patch, that character was just non-existent, in my opinion. I think he was just just not playing the game. So what was helping me just overcome a lot of the challenges of the game design was just literally strategies to collect information about my opponent's intentions, their focus, and using it against them. Because attacking subtlety is is very hard for people to adjust to that because it requires a crazy amount of mind of uh, mindfulness, right? And mindfulness requires a lot of energy. So if you're fatigued, if you're distracted, you're not going to be able to change because change requires a lot of energy, which is why people that are really passionate can change, right? That's why when people go through pain, become passionate, and then they can transform, right? So um, that's what that's what I realized with the character. I was like, this character's not great. I can't really force you to, to do things. I have to, like, kind of bend, right? I have to be, like, the bamboo, right? And just, like, you know, I don't break with the wind but i bend with it so like i have to constantly adjust or you know bring people into the world of adjusting which i know they're not good at and then that's what that's my advantage with sagat right but anyways so that's how i learned uh i did like i did like break dancing at one point i did boxing i did so many random things just to help me with street fighter because hmm. i was just trying to understand these little puzzles of the way i thought you know and then like i, I would take away some pretty dope lessons from everything like with dancing you can't think in dancing because by the time you think, you've missed the you missed the beats, right? You missed the beat, so like you're out of rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what dancing taught me was like, yo, sometimes you just you you have to go from pure instinct, right? You can't think about the solution because by the time you go to apply the solution, it's too late. The opportunity's yeah. missed, right? That's, that's the thing about luck, happens. like yeah. So fighting games, a lot of it is luck too, and that's something like my ego. I, your ego tech it always wants to extend itself onto things and take uh, credit for your results and stuff, right? But luck is a big factor in things, especially in a fighting game, because we have different rhythms, different ideas, different tool sets, different spacings, different like approaches. So the thing about luck is it's only taken advantage of when the uh, you have a preparation that meets the opportunity. So if I'm not prepared, how can I ever be lucky, right? Because the opportunities are around you all the time mm-hmm. or in a fighting game. But if you're not prepared because you're thinking or you're worried about risk or, you know, you're doing things out of fear, how are you supposed to leverage something like luck, which is, I think, instrumental in success? You know? Yeah, I think both inside and out of, out of fighting games. You know, for, for an example for me, like I, I'm in a situation where I love what I do now. I get to work with college students. I get to help with, you know, mental development, uh, mm. esports, all that kind of stuff. But... I, the reason that I have this job was partly because I got lucky. Like, I was in the right place at the right time, but I also, every time I had an opportunity to take advantage of it, you know, I had worked on my people skills. I had worked on building a community. Uh, I had worked on making content, you know, bettering myself and, and showing that and putting that out there. So when the opportunity came to me, I was ready to accept it. Because I, I think just like in fighting games, it's like, okay, take Hickam Firms, for example. That's something that I've been really working on this last year or two years. Uh, picked up Kareen and just worked on hit confirms uh there's a lot of times where i might just randomly throw out a button and it might be a lucky hit but if my confirms are trash then i get nothing off of that i get like maybe one hit but if my confirms are good and i get a lucky hit i can turn that into an opportunity that i wouldn't have had otherwise Uh, right so like when people say that you got lucky it's like well yeah definitely i I did i'm okay Mm -hmm. with saying saying that but i also capitalized on the opportunity that was given to me because you made a mistake 
So mm-hmm. it's like I try to I try to keep the ego out of things as well. Um, you talked about a lot of different things, and I want to try to circle back to a few of them as well. But yeah, and on mm-hmm. that note, I definitely can resonate. I resonate with what you're saying. Yeah, I'm the king of going on tangents, bro. <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to hit on is uh, I, I like to do when I'm doing my solo podcast a, a part, a couple of questions that I ask myself on a weekly basis where I say, what am I reading slash listening to? I do a lot of audiobooks, books um, mm. and I want to bring one up, but I also want to see if there's anything you're reading or listening to or any content that you know, you're using to kind of better yourself. Yeah. Uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself is uh, one of the books. <laughs> I'm reading uh, by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Super dope. Um, uh, I think it's, ep- uh, what, what is it called? Uh, it's basically like the study of uh, of epigenetics. That's what it is. It's like the study, I believe, of like the effects of the environment on your genetics. At a, so it's it's super, super interesting. And he provides um, scientific, you know, I guess you could say proof or, you know, studies to back up what he's talking about with like the influence of uh, meditation on the body and stuff like that. Super dope book. Um, he has another, the, this is the first book. I actually skipped this book and read the second book, which was Becoming Supernatural. And then I went back and revisited this. But um, what's so fat, like fire about this book is the, the in, in order for you to change, it, it conveys that you have to change uh, your body, your environment, and your perception of time. Right? So those are like the three things that typically keep people in like a cyclical nature with whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, environment, of course, would be something that supports your habits, right? It's hard to break a habit of like, you know, let's say like you drink a lot, right? I don't drink, but let's say you're an alcoholic. How are you supposed to break the habit of being an alcoholic if you're in an environment where people are drinking around you all the time? Right. How are you supposed to be organized when your room, the first thing you wake up to is a disorganized room? Right. Mm. So like things like that. Um, and, you know, so this book is fire. Uh, I'm reading this just because I, I wanted to work on my perception of mistakes. You know, so this is something I w- I've been reading. And then I, I cross reference books. Remember, we talked about the lightning example. Mm. So I read multiple books at the same time. So another book that I'm reading is um, Mindfulness, which is a Buddha, uh, Buddhist book. Right? Mm. It's about like, you know, meditation and stuff like that also. Um, that book is fascinating. So what that book has taught me was the importance of awareness, right? Like if you're not aware of something, how are you supposed to change it? So anything anything that requires change, you would think is gradual, but it's only gradual until you get to the last challenge, the last remaining door, right? And then it's instantaneous. So change is always instantaneous, but the process of getting there is the process of, you know, pulling back layers and until you get to the source of things. And then it's a decision that you make, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about the decisions is that it's not just one decision. It's a series of, you have to continuously make the decision. So that's what, that's, what's dope about that book is like, cause in my head, remember the way I was raised, I'm thinking, damn, if I'm not good at these things, I'm not perfect. Right. And then now it's an issue. It's a, it's a conflict of, of, uh, beliefs and ideas of myself, what I need to do to get somewhere, what I need to be to get something. But that book, it, it, it freed me from the shackles of that belief system of thinking I had to do something once and be that thing forever which is why i would get frustrated in fighting games is because i would be like damn if i'm getting hit by this thing which i've stopped before that means i've never really stopped it you know so that's Mm -hmm. how i was thinking Mm -hmm. but in reality it's a constant it's the decision to over and over you make right it's like being a good person can get ruined with one bad decision right so it's it's constantly making those decisions, not just making it once and then satisfying your ego, which is an extension of your identity onto things, right? And then thinking, I am that thing. I am solid as a rock. Nothing can change that. Because you can change that by making one poor decision. But you can also change it by making a good one continuously, right? So that's, what, so that's what's dope about it is like change is instant because change is brought about through continuous action, which you have to take in the now. Right. So if you want to change, you just change right now by making a good decision. So those two books fire. Those two books like combined right now have been awesome for me. 
The third thing, which is real, like just hammered at home, was I do uh, options trading, right? So I've been um, listening to this book called Trading in the Zone. And, you know, you'd think like with trading, you know, it's like learn- learning charts and analytics and blah, 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 blah. But this book, this dude, Mark Douglas, he's a beast. He's a beast, but he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm telling you right now, it's like 10%, you know, the analytical, the charting and stuff is 90% mental. Because a lot of your perception of the market is filtered based off of emotions, right? Because the three greatest fears are what? Death, you know, um, losing money, and uh, they say, I think, public speaking or something like that. Mm. Some, some like, you know, public or whatever. But uh, so that, that book, Fire, uh, my biggest takeaway from it was I was realizing that I would go into new situations bearing the burdens of my previous mistakes. So I would try to, because of that perfectionism attitude, I would try to solve things in the now to release me from the burden of my beliefs about my mistakes from the past. To simplify that, basically, if I solve something right now, then I never was that thing. So it's the inverse of what I was talking about, which was, if I've done this before, I should always be this thing, right? Hmm. But now I'm trying to correct the mistakes of, let's say, let's say I lost $10 on a trade. I try to make up that $10 on this trade. I have to make up $10 plus whatever the profit is. Let's say I made, you know, 20 bucks. Right on this trade, I lost ten from the previous. I'm up ten, but in my head, I'm like, no, I still have to make up for that previous, even though I'm technically still up, right? But I didn't go into the trade thinking I've made up for that mistake in the past. So like, I keep going into my mistakes of the past and keep trying to solve each one or rectify it. So then that way, I could feel complete again. How did that work you know? out for you? <laughs> lost a lot of money doing that <laughs> so <laughs> but uh once i learned how to do it i've been successfully trading you know again mm. and it's it's funny because he was saying like the first time you trade the first time you do anything you're it you're at your most pure right your most innocent because you don't have the burdens of your mistakes bearing you down right so it's like at some point when you get a certain amount of success depending on your ego it can it can get more and more dangerous to your future success because whatever contradicts that it ends up becoming a stronger enemy mm-hmm. in your mind right so um when people learn from their mistakes you have to ask yourself why are you learning are you learning because of you're trying to minimize the pain of your mistakes of your past because if you do that you're still operating off of pain and fear which means you're only going to attract more of it into your existence and reality. It's crazy. You know, it's kind of like in a relationship, if you, if you're like, damn, I don't want her to leave me. Right. And then you start doing things for her, but the energy of what you're doing is so she doesn't leave you. Even if you buy her flowers or it's women are intuitive. They're going to pick up on that. They, it just, it's like a, they can't trust you it's like a right? because you're prophecy. right. Exactly. Right. So, mm-hmm. What is your reasoning behind doing it? And that's where mindfulness, like the book I was telling you about, it, it's so profound because it may it makes me go back to the source of the things that I'm doing. Like, what is my reasoning for this? Because it's one of two things. It's the reasoning from my conditioning of the past or it's to learn a new future, right? Mm-hmm. So as soon as I identify, oh, it's that perfectionism popping back up, I can be released from it because I see it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is an illusion. Let it go. You know, and now I have energy again to change it. Yeah. yeah. Something I learned in coaching school, it's a philosophy or a saying of there are no mistakes, only learning opportunities. Mm. And I, I've tried really hard to uh, embrace that in everything that I do. And I find that for me, it, I don't know, I, I haven't really been getting as salty at things as I, as I used to just by applying that. Because uh, you hit on a couple of different points, but I want to hit on that one and, and uh, mention this book real quick, too. Um, but yeah, in terms of, you know, a lot of people, to your credit, uh, it's almost like uh, the term is negative goal setting, I believe, where people will set a goal of like, I, I don't want to drop this combo rather than I want to improve my execution, right? And I think mm. you've talked about this in the past as well, of like the intention of your goal 
either you're trying you're trying to avoid some pain or you're trying to avoid embarrassment which is like emotional pain rather than trying to for whatever reason improve yourself it's like you just want to avoid something negative rather than trying to work on something positive uh, mm. and to your point it almost it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy i see a lot of people who do this where it's like their motivation is i don't want to lose that's that's mm. their motivation and uh I know that's not a very helpful way of thinking, you know, so it's, it's hard to talk to these people sometimes about that kind of stuff. But I guess from your point mm-hmm. of view uh, and your experience, if you've seen a lot of that and what's your take on that and how do you you know, talk to people about that? Um, so a lot of a lot of people have that. Right. I think it's. It's something that you absorb, you especially absorb in society and adulthood because. Adulthood, adulthood ends up being about addition. Like a lot of the times, it's very rarely addition by subtraction. So a lot of people don't develop the the muscle or they've atrophied the muscle to get rid of things, right? Um, so whenever I come across somebody that's like that, it's like it's it's <laughs> I have to be like a ninja, right? Because they have their guard up. So if I say something in a way that resonates to a to, in a degree or an angle that reminds them of something that they don't want then there's going to be conflict right mm-hmm. so it's like how do i get past this person's guard so typically what i do is i show vulnerability that's why i'm open i like to be open because it's easier to establish trust because i'm revealing what would be secrets about myself my weaknesses right so it's like oh this guy is doing this like He's not afraid. There's no fear in, in retaliation from him. So it, it just naturally, people are just going to let their guard down. Right. So then now people can listen to you. So when you say certain things because of the filter and perception of the person that they're involved with, it's less like depending on the person, it's less likely maybe with me that somebody's going to get defensive because they know my intentions are not malicious. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I don't convey that, their defense mechanism pops up and then boom, they're like ready to fight or not fight physically, but just like fight to, de- you know, defend the idea. Um, so, you know how like coping mechanisms, mainly they're supposed to be short term, right? You're supposed to like revisit them and then figure out better ways to cope with stuff, right? Like hedonism, having excessive amounts of sex, drinking a lot, doing a lot of drugs. Those are supposed to be short term mechanisms for dealing with pain but people don't realize that, right? Or they run away from the fact that they've done these things and then they try to suppress it. But when you suppress things, it's like, you know, like you, when you're in like a pool and you try to push a ball underwater, it like pops back up with greater force. That's basically what happens when you suppress things, right? When you don't face things. So whenever I come up, I meet somebody and, you know, they have like, you know, that that like negative goal thinking. I like how you termed that because I never had a term for it. Um, I... I don't want to activate their defense mechanisms, but you have to learn it. It's like a weird slippery slope, right? You have to figure out how does this person, you know, how did, how do they get triggered? But I'm not trying to do it in a way where we can't recover either. So for me, it's a lot of listening to people's like vocabulary, right? Like if you hear a lot of negative, like can't uh, a lot of extremes, like always every time, right? I'm like, Okay, we are we already know you don't always miss your DP. We are we already know you 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 never uh whiff punish, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's a that's a reflection of your belief system. So there's some emotional turmoil there. Um so depending on the like ma- you know, the maturity of the person I'm talking to, uh especially the older people, it's harder to change, right? Because like you've been mm. fucking you're solidified in your belief for X amount of years, right? Yeah. Um so when it comes to like older people, um, it's 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 more so communicating to them that their emotions are supposed to be action signals. Something I learned from Tony Robbins, he was like, you know, your emotions are action signals. They just tell you, hey, Zaf, you feel angry. And the reason you feel angry is because of this. So your emotions signal, if you want to change how you feel, you have to change this. Right. So I try to make it so that your emotions are an ally and they're not something that you should run away from. Because, you know, especially as men, man, like society, we're supposed to be stoic and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. Right. But in in reality, stoicism is 
mindfulness and appreciation of the facts of who you are at your core, your nature, right? You're supposed to leverage your nature, not run away from it, suppress it, escape it, ignore it. But because of the stigmas, mm-hmm. you know, now you're combating your internalized pressure, external pressure, uh, pressure. So like this person, it's a tug of war. They're just like, oh man, I, I, I don't, I don't want to look like this in the eyes of people. But then I have this belief about myself that I also don't want to be and they and they're not even in the moment. So if yeah. I'm going to change somebody, I have to get them into the moment. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to get people to see their emotions as an ally. Because if you don't see your emotions as an ally, you operate from your emotions and your emotions are anchored from your past. Right. So mm-hmm. the only moments that exist is now. Everything else is the past. The future is a projection of the past. We've never lived the future. By the time we live the future, it's right now. And by the time we in- we interpret the future as now, it's in the past. You see, so it's like it's just the now or the past, right? Or it's those two things we're bouncing back and forth between. So yeah. for people to change, uh, you have to operate in the now, and that's where that instantaneous change talk happens. Like we talked, like, like I, I talked about. Um, so how I do that is get people to see the emotions as an ally and not something you run away from, because then you don't operate from the emotion immediately. It's not instinctive. It's like Oh, I, oh wait! I feel. Oh, I remember this emotion. What's the last? Mm, wait, wait a minute. And then now you're curious instead of operating off of it and being impulsive. I'm an impulsive dude, so I I can tell you how many times I've done this. Um, and you know, being mindful of it, I see it as something that benefits me. And then now I can actually get to the root of it, right? But you can't do this without energy. You can't do this if you're fatigued, if you're stressed, and stuff like that. That's why you have to take care of your mind body spirit right there that harmony is what allows you to be able to do all of these things you know sorry if i'm like answering it and not answering it like it's just my brain is like yeah no i mean it's giving me more to think about i'm trying to figure out which topics i want to hit on <laughs> um, I'm so, sorry. so like to to bounce off of what you're talking about um this wasn't me i learned this in school uh but it was a saying that that helps me kind of with coaching right it's uh your thoughts lead to your emotions and your emotions lead to your actions and so one of the mm. first things that I get with players who tilt a lot is I'll, I'll ask them, what were you thinking? You know, like, or like how, did, how did you feel and or what were you thinking? And a lot of times they can talk about how they maybe felt, but they can't articulate it well, but they don't even know, like, they can't even articulate why they got mad. Mm. Um, and so it's like they, they just have this default reaction to things or, or, or sad. You know, there's like there's, there's a turtle up people and then there's like the angry people right those are the main two camps when people are playing fighting games they either start playing really aggressive and predictable or they just are indecisive and can't decide what they want to do and they just block a lot fight flight or freeze right basically exactly um and so after a while i'll I'll ask them like okay all i want you to do is play these games and just pay attention to how you feel right just play play like normal but just try to try to pay attention to what you're thinking and feeling uh Mm. and it, it takes a while for these people to be able to analyze because they don't they don't think about it they don't they just accept their re- emotional reactions. Like, listen to how people say things. This thing made me mad. This person did something that made me mad. And it's like, from my point of view, you're accountable for your own emotions. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people, you know, and unless you have some sort of disorder, right? I'm not counting that. For people who are just normal functioning for the most part, uh, you're accountable for your own emotions. Like, that person didn't make you mad. You got mad because of something that person did. Like, it's, it's the same thing, but it's different. Uh, because yeah. you're you're taking accountability for your emotional reactions. So with that in mind, um, you go back to the scenario where they're playing games, and they're, they're, the reasons they get mad sometimes, after they realize what they're getting mad about, they wind up changing their thought process around it on their own because they realize, like, why am I getting mad about this? Like, I'm trying to get better, but then I'm contradicting myself because uh, I'm focusing on this aspect of myself. Or, like, a lot of people are like, I'm a failure, so they reinforce it. Uh, similar to what you are talking about before, it's like you didn't drop your combo every single time. You're just hyper-focusing mm-hmm. on your failures and not acknowledging mm-hmm. your victories. A lot of mm-hmm. people have a hard time, in my experience, acknowledging their victories. You know, there's, there's obviously the people who do it too much, uh, but for the people who kind of uh, get stuck in, in, a, in a plateau because they're doubting themselves, like that's, that's ten, that tends to be what they do. Um, so I, I, I could ramble about that for a good while, but I wanted to bring that up before I forgot about it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, see, I, I love this conversation, man. This is like... It's like food for me. I haven't even eaten and I'm full. You know, <laughs> I'm just like chilling. Feel uh, like nourished. I wanted to ask if you've heard of a book called um, The Art of Learning. Yeah, that's um from that dude who was a chess player and mm-hmm. he became like a martial artist. Yeah, I've I've never read it. 
And I know he has a movie, right? Doesn't he have like a movie or something? Searching for Robbie Fisher is a movie. I don't oh, know. Okay, I don't okay, think okay. he had. So his dad wrote the book Searching for Robbie Fisher, which was based mm. off of him. Josh Whiteskin is his name. Josh Whiteskin, um, mm. uh, one of the youngest chess prodigies in America. And then after he got older, yeah, he switched to martial arts and he wrote a book about his process of like learning chess. Because you're talking about chess before um, and then going over to martial arts and then how the the concepts of learning chess transferred over to martial arts and other life experiences kind of blended with each other. Uh, and he, mm-hmm. he does a really good job of articulating that, talking about uh, getting into the zone um, and, and kind of like mental clarity, which mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of concepts that help me understand how like how to articulate that how to access it myself um you know make it a little bit more tangible and i think that's something that you would really appreciate i think i'm surprised you haven't read it already but like i think once you're reading like yeah this yeah this is a book that makes sense for sure yeah kaiser recommended that book to me like he's been working since 2012 so he recommended that book to me uh no like 2013 is when we started working together he recommended that book to me in like 2013 so i still haven't read it Oh man, but, I have the audiobook. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do I, yeah, I travel a lot. Listen to it. Um oh, he, okay, he okay. actually narrates it, so it's it's by him. I, I like mm-hmm. when people who write their own books do the narration. Um and I, I felt like he you can kind of hear his passion behind it. It's a really good it's a good listen. Um mm-hmm. I think I, I have the book as well, but I, I just listen to it like once a year just to kind of refresh myself and, and go through it and break it down. It's really, really good. Okay, I'm I'm like just now getting into audiobooks because I used to have the hardest time because you see like the way I talk right like I'm the way I talk is the way I think so when I hear something interesting I'm like whoa and then I'm just like connecting all these dots and by the time the dots are connected it's like five chapters later it's seven o'clock at night and I'm like bro what the hell what just happened I was just on the first sentence of the first page. <laughs> <laughs> like what just happened bro like what and i have to restart it all over again so i just get really annoyed and that's, that's why i just kept reading so it was, you know when i read it's just like mm-hmm. and i can just stop and i can go back to it but uh i'm starting to get into the habit of like uh being able to follow along with audiobooks and not mm-hmm. get too lost in the sauce audiobooks are, do- are dope though man so they are I-, I mainly have like person development books but in the last year during the pandemic i started listening to like uh like is there called lit RPGs like literary RPGs it's like you know it's like mm. a ready player one like people are trapped in an MMO VR MMO kind of stuff and then mm. like Harry Potter and stuff like that I've been listening to some of those uh just to kind of keep myself entertained between listening to different person development books but uh mm. but yeah um it's I highly recommend it I travel a lot I drive a lot and then um now that I'm going to the gym pretty regularly if I'm not listening to like something to hype me up uh, if I'm on like the treadmill or the bike I'll listen to an audiobook or like watch some fighting games or something like that Word. Yeah. Word, word, word. Okay. Um, the last thing that I can think to hit on is um, when it comes to focus, right? So I have ADD. I was diagnosed when I was 17, and I'm 35 now. And mm-hmm. I, I play fighting games with – I practice fighting games with the concept of wanting to compete. But I, I put in about a casual player's amount of time maybe a little more than the casual player. Uh, but I try to make sure that when I'm playing, I'm paying attention to my attention span, like concepts like vigilance, which is an act of looking for information, right? Uh, mm. Being, being aware of it and then consistently being aware of it. Uh, Cause I remember I, I realized like a great example is V trigger one Zangief. I'm a Fong main. So uh, I can't just throw out projectiles from mid screen. Once V trigger is active. And for like a year and a half, I would lose to Zangief's only because I didn't look at the meter and then make a decision based off of that meter. And, mm. and then basically after that, it's like two choices. And I just, it's basically a 50-50 and I have to guess at that point. But the yeah. reason that I would lose or be put in that situation is because I, I wouldn't stop throwing projectiles. Um, and so when it comes to like that simple concept, looking at the meter, being aware of it consistently... Um, you know, there's multiple different skills there because there's vigilance, which is the act of looking for it, but then there's also being focused and making sure that you're not paying attention to things that aren't uh, important to it, but there's also muscle memory so that you don't have to think too much about the acts that you're going to do and it's more automatic. Uh, so from your perspective, when it comes to putting these skills all together, mainly like mental attention span focused stuff, what what is your advice or experience with improving that? And, and like, where did you start and where are you now with that? All right, so let's say you have an attention span like challenge. 
Um, meditation is my that's my thing, man. Meditation is just I recommend that to anybody, you know. Um, because I would struggle because again I would just like go off on these mental rants, right, or just deviate off path so easily. It will happen to me in game too. Like same thing where it's like we're in this situation. This person has meter, and I just I saw it. And I knew, but then I got sidetracked and another desire popped up. That's where the mindfulness comes into play, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to know your triggers. Know your triggers. Um, uh, what, What triggers the thing? And then what's your typical routine? So, like, what is it that causes you to deviate? And then what do you usually deviate to? So that way you not only have, like, a, a safety mechanism to remind you you know, these protocols in place to remind you of when you're about to do something, but when you're also in the act of doing it, mm-hmm. right? I think, because you don't have to be entirely preventative. Like, so let's say you, you're you you're trying to maintain focus. Focus isn't just, like, being on the topic or the subject or, you know, in, always in line with your intentions and, and stuff like that, but being able to uh, reset yourself. I think that's an important part of focus because that's something that can atrophy too, you know, because you're human no matter what, like you're not only going to like lose focus, but you're going to be emotional. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to like, all these things are going to happen. So I think like the art of resetting yourself is powerful, right? So for me, um, like what I would suggest is let's say like you have ADD, right? How do you turn that into a strength? Have you ever thought about that with fighting games? Oh yeah. Yeah, a lot. Um, so I think a lot. I think really fast. And so mm-hmm. I try to utilize that and, and put that energy into just what I'm doing. Like it's, it's hard to articulate, but I, I just make sure that I'm looking around for the information. So like this was years ago. I, I've mm. It's kind of funny because when I started figuring out what I was doing wrong, you know, I analyzed myself. I started – I have a friend that plays Zangief, so I would play him, and then I would just – pay attention to what he would do if I stopped throwing projectiles when you have V-Trigger. Mm. And I would, I, I wasn't playing the win. I was like, okay, what are you going to do now? And, like, it threw off the whole entire dynamic of the game because basically the meta of the game was we fight until he gets V-Trigger and then he sucks me in and then it's a guess. And then, like, I can fight my way out of it. That was, like, how that game was always played with us, uh, with us when we played. And then after that, I would just pay attention to what he did. And then I would just, I started playing neutral. I started focusing on my neutral instead. I'm like, all right, I have Fong. I have good buttons. I have double hitting buttons so I can break his armor if he tries to just be like shenanigans with his armor and stuff. Uh, and I wound up improving my neutral as a result. I wound up improving my whiff punishes. Um, mm. I started focusing on different skills because the game, like, I, I acknowledge that the game is different once he has V trigger. Uh, the same rules don't apply anymore because he can now just pull me in on reaction. Startup mm. is too long. Uh, I had to figure that out. And so, you know, to go back to your question of how do I use ADD to my advantage, you know, it's like I, I think really fast. So I can plan far ahead in the future as long as I have my muscle memory down. So I would just analyze mm-hmm. what he was doing, pay attention to it, see what options I would have, uh, put a lot of attention into with punishing, like heavy punch. They want to, you know, do charge heavy punch. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I'll punish you for that if you're going to do that. Um, anti-airing, that sort of thing, and then making them not be able to play the, the game they want to play. And then mm-hmm. I like psychology. I like paying attention to how people do things. So uh, I'm thinking about how they're thinking, and I take that and I apply it to their style. I'm like, okay, well, now they're thrown off because I'm not throwing projectiles anymore. What does a Fong with no projectiles do? And some of them get confident, start walking in. Um, yeah, sliding. Like, <laughs> electric sliding in, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll play really, really aggressive just to like mm. throw them off a little bit because, it's one, it's fun. Um, mm. and, and also that's just like one of the play styles I like to do just to kind of mix it up a little bit. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I took away from that, like just to like be concise is it's curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right. So, cause I think like when you, when you have, you know, like an attention challenge, right? Like, a, it's the curiosity that brings you down the rabbit hole. So if you could structure your curiosity, then it mm. always feels like there's something new in front of you. Yes. Right. Yes. So I think that's what will happen because once you realize, you're like, wait, there's something beyond this? It's not like that's the end of the of the journey, right? Is that thing, that direct challenge in front of you. It's like now there's an entire world behind it. You, there's a Narnia in this closet of mm-hmm. experience, right? Like once you've stopped the, the, the V-trigger, you know, um, 
application now it's like oh wow there's way more to street fighter i think that's what will <laughs> yeah. help people you know is uh it's just being curious i think that's the 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 cure to a lot of things man is like being curious because children are naturally curious right mm-hmm. but when you become an adult your ego t- tends to take over because that's what we start to operate off of in society to maintain stability and you know to just move around and stuff socially and the social construct whatever and it, you notice it's the people that like that are excel at their craft that maintain curiosity about their craft they still have this childlike element to whatever it is that they do right so yeah. like and they're like a child's interpretation of failure is just like non-existent because like if you teach a kid you don't you never teach a, your, your son how to walk right he just walked mm-hmm. well you aren't like hey son you, you gotta like move your hip flexors this way you know you gotta plant your feet like at this angle you know bend at the hip you didn't teach him any of that. He literally was like, and he fell and busted his ass and he got up and was like, okay, let me try this. And he just kept doing it. Mm-hmm. We have this intuitive system to learn, but it's buried by all of this garbage that we got in adulthood. Like, of course, there's obviously pros to everything, right? So I'm not saying everything is useless in being an adult. Like, you know, obviously like being self-sufficient and stuff like that, you know, eventually being interdependent and, you know, working with others and stuff like that and being of, uh, of bringing contribution to the lives of other people and your community, stuff like that. That's all fine and dandy. Um, so yeah, I'll have description. I'll have links in the description down below, but, uh, just in case you want to get coaching from him, you can go to metify.com, metify.gg slash at Zafrino one. Uh, basically mm-hmm. all of his social media is at Zafrino one. Uh, so you can find yeah. it on there. I'll have links for you guys. If you're listening to the audio version or the YouTube version later on. Uh, but yeah. thank you again for joining me. I appreciate it. And, uh, I will see you guys in the next one.